Let's pray. God, I thank you for your faithful people that are gathered here this morning. And we love you, God, and um, we want to be more like you. And we want to follow you faithfully, Lord, and with, um, with strong backs and um, with open hearts. And so, Lord, will you teach us? Will you teach us how to do that? Will you teach us to be more like you? Um, so, Lord, attune our ears to your spirit this morning. Um, may we hear your word to us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Our days are full of decisions. Consciously and subconsciously, our days roll along and we are making decisions about what we should do or what we shouldn't do. What to eat, what not to eat. Why does this one seem to take so much time? I wonder, as I go to the grocery store. Um, you know, what to see or not see. What we should work on, maybe not work on. What we should plan for, not plan for. Who we should play with, who we should not play with. Um, what we should watch, don't want to watch that. What we should, who we should talk with or not talk about or spend money on or not spend money on or watch. No, I already said watch or not watch. Help or not help. <laughs> And then who we want and have to do those things with or for. Then there's like, not only are we making those decisions for ourselves, but then there's like relationships and we actually have to make those choices and things with and for other people too. It's really a lot. I think we don't even, you know, I think most of the time we're not thinking consciously about how many choices that we're making all the time. Um, we ha but we have choices and it's a luxury and it's a privilege to have so many choices to make, oftentimes. And it's easy for me to lose sight of viewing the many choices that I have as a privilege, and I can easily be overwhelmed by all the decisions that I have to make. We have so many options at our fingertips. At the grocery stores, listening to podcasts, the whole dang internet is like, Always there's like so many options, news sources, churches, types of yogurt. I can stand for a long time looking at all the kinds of yogurt. And then if you actually care like how much sugar is in your yogurt, but you don't really, you're not on the plain yogurt train quite yet, you can just be there for a long time. Um, schools, there's lots of schools and activities Activities for young people and older people. What do we want to do together or by yourselves? Kayaking. I don't know. Um, there's lots of activities. Charities. Places we can help and serve and give our money to. Buy things for. Um, kinds of tomato plants. This is another one where I went to the greenhouse earlier this summer. And I was like, holy moly. I just have like two pots. I just need two tomato plants. And I like looked at those suckers for so long. I was like, how many? I don't know. You know, you just don't know. You're just, I, I picked the little yellow ones, the little yellow cherry tomatoes, and then I picked some kind of red one. I think they probably, I think mostly they taste the same, but I don't know. Maybe I'll expand out next year. Anyway, my goodness, it, take, it could take me a long time to decide with so many options. Decisions shape our lives. They shape our lives. But what we often overlook is not only how our choices 
shape the outcomes of in our lives, but also how they shape us too. They reveal our character and help to create our character, writes author Emily P. Freeman. And she goes on to wonder, what if the way we make decisions is equally as important as the decisions we make? What if choice is one of the primary avenues of our spiritual formation? We need to remember, I think, um, that our decisions, big ones and small ones, those everyday things, um, at the things, the choices that we're making together and the choices that we make as individuals, they're creating and curating a life. This life. This one right here, right now. This abundant life where you and where I are becoming more fully, more fully ourselves in the presence of God. And that matters. It matters. We get to shape we get to shape this life we live. And that's a privilege. These choices that we make are a privilege. As a part of God's church, we are participants in God's mission in the world. What we do and how we see ourselves joining in on that mission is expressed in our new mission statement, which goes like this. Abbey Way is a church that practices the value of asking, listening, seeing, and responding to God and each other, for the sake of our neighbors, the world, and those to come. Joining with God in God's mission in the world is a choice that we've made as a church. It's a choice that we have made together, but we're going to do this together. Our mission statement together as a church describes the values which are driving the choices that we make as we consider, as a church, who we are called to serve and how we are called to serve them. And we've chosen, and we think that this names like how we, the values that are operating these choices right now, is that we've chosen to ask, we choose to listen, we choose to see, we choose to respond to what God is doing in our midst, as opposed to choosing either passively or assertively not to ask, not to listen, not to see, not to respond to what God is doing in our midst. Because that's, you know, that's on the other hand of it. But we're saying yes. We're saying yes to seeing, listening, asking, responding. Um, as I mentioned before, you're going to hear a lot of Jeremiah 6.16 this summer as it provides the foundation for our vision, mission, and values statements. And ironically, Jan mentioned this last week, but I'm going to say it again because there's a bunch of irony here, that the verse in its completion actually is a good example of what choosing not to listen to God sounds like. So we're sneaky, and we left out like the last sentence of this verse, which happens sometimes. We did it on purpose, but we're not like, you know, we're not going to no, not tell you about it, is what I'm saying. Okay, full disclosure, there's more to Jeremiah 6.16. And it's, it's a good example of what not choosing to God look, looks like, lo, choosing to listen to God lis, looks like. Um, so this is Jeremiah 6.16, full disclosure version. This is what the Lord says. Stand at the crossroads and look. Ask for the ancient paths. Ask where the good way is and walk in it, and you will find rest for your souls. But they said, we will not walk in it. 
as you may know, and as this verse indicates, God's people in the book of Jeremiah ultimately choose not to follow God's good way. They broke their covenant with God, worshipped other gods, and their leaders abused their power and became corrupt, leading to rampant social injustice and harm done to the most vulnerable among them. And despite the warnings of Jeremiah, over the course of Jeremiah's whole ministry, like decades of ministry, Jeremiah's ministry is the longest recorded in the Bible. It's like 40 years, over 40 years of ministry with these people. Long time. And the people did not listen to God and were exiled to Babylon. Now, there's something interesting. I saved my best tidbit to share with you because I've learned a lot of things, but I'm going to share the best one with you about the book of Jeremiah this week. I learned a good thing. There is a difference between the audience of the prophet of Jeremiah, who he's speaking to in the story, um, those people who were not listening to God and who were being disobedient. Um, There's a difference between the audience of the prophet of Jeremiah and the audience of the book of Jeremiah. So the book of Jeremiah was actually composed after the exile. The people were exiled, and it was at that point that the book actually was written down, that the story was told of the prophet Jeremiah. Um, And Terence Fretheim, an Old Testament professor at Luther Seminary, um, he said the audience of the book of Jeremiah was written to the exiles who have gone through the hellish experience of the fall of Jerusalem, being stripped of their land and their temple and everything. It was actually the book of Jeremiah. It was written to those exiles. The book, he says, is designed for the people who went through the trauma of that experience. It was a word of God coming to people distressed, in despair of the loss of their future. Knowing this caused me to read Jeremiah 6.16 a little differently, because you can hear it in two ways. Like, write to the people in that moment who respond, we will not walk in it. And then, but then it comes again. And I heard it now as the gracious call of God to his people, extending to them yet again the way of life. These words come back to the people. Hope remains. Stand at the crossroads and look. These crossroads now. They're at a new crossroads. And look. Ask for the ancient paths. Ask where the good way is and walk in it, and you will find rest for your souls. And so the word of God comes yet again, and this time, will they choose the way of life? (coughs) Will they choose to stand and look and ask and walk in God's good way? Will their souls find rest at last, even in this foreign land? When God calls, will they listen? While the circumstances may not be so extreme, so too in our lives God comes again and again, beckoning us on, calling us onward as on his good way. It's not a one-time call. <laughs> you know, we like know that, but God's call, it keeps coming to us. And as we are going, we, we choose again and again to ask God. We choose again to listen 
to see and respond to God in each other. And as we do this again and again, as we um, listen again for God's voice and as we respond the best that we can with what we're given, it's in this process that the Spirit forms us into mature persons that are more and more like Jesus, able to freely love God and ourselves and our neighbors wholeheartedly. This shapes us. This choice, these choices to see and listen and ask good questions and to respond, these are the, these are the choices that are like creating and curating this life together that we live as Abbey Way in our individual lives, in our families, and with our friends. So I led some of my coworkers at Rhinestones Unlimited, it's my side job, in our very own rhinestone yoga a couple of weeks ago. Now, my coworkers wanted to know, was I like a yoga instructor? I was like, heavens no, I'm making this stuff up. I'm just making it up. But we had teased for a long time about like, oh, wouldn't it be funny if we did, if we did like yoga poses to the names of the rhinestone colors? You know, like rainbow dark was one of them. We did that. Um, so finally, I asked my boss for permission. And he said, yes. Couldn't believe he said yes. I got paid to do that <laughs> for 10 minutes. Awesome. Um, and honestly, I chose to do this because the spirit has been transforming my heart. You know? I wouldn't like, I mean, I say that with you guys. I'm not just like, oh, the Spirit's transforming my heart. Let's do redstone yoga together. Um, but that's what I think I believe is happening. And making, that God's Spirit is making me more free to love myself and to love my coworkers wholeheartedly. Um, and that's what it looks like for me. Rhinestone yoga. <laughs> what a hoot. My boss did it with me. And it, it was an opportunity for me, and this is really what I found that I was like, this is what I want more of. It was an opportunity to facilitate a group of people engaged in an experience of stillness together. It was like just, you know, I said to them, I was like, this is about having fun and breathing. We will only move our arms. This is not like some intense thing. But an experience of stillness together, mindful of their bodies and breath, with God's good green earth beneath our feet, because I made them go outside and do it in the yard, and with the vast blue heavens above our heads. One of them we did was Silver Night, which is kind of like a grayish, crystally color, you know, not jet black. That's like black, black, Silver Night, and not as dark as graphite, which is not as dark as jet. <laughs> silver Night. <laughs> And we said, I said, what's one thing you're, like, least grateful for at work this week? And we just stretched into silver night. And then Sunshine Delight. This is, like, yellow, yellow. Like, opaque. You can't see through it. But it's got, like, a little shimmer. Sunshine Delight. Because we have a new line of delight colors. (laughs) What is one thing that you're most grateful for at work this week? And we just went back and forth. Silver night, yeah, sunshine, delight. And we breathed, and we were still, and we had a lot of fun. We had a lot of fun. So as individuals and together, we practice standing up into who we are, 
you know, I know you all do this, and you would all have your own stories. We practice standing up into who we are. Looks different, but you're welcome to do rhinestone yoga with me if you want. But we practice standing up into who we are as Jesus transforms us to be fully ourselves and more like him in our asking and our listening and our seeing and responding for the sake of our neighbors, for the sake of the world, for the sake of those to come. Our practice values here at Abbey Way reflect some of what I admire most about Jesus. These values, this mission statement, reflects some of what I admire most about Jesus and why I've decided to follow him and why I want to be more like him. I admire Jesus' ability to ask good questions. Jesus knew how to ask. Why are you afraid? What do you want me to do for you? Do you believe that I am able to do this? Do you want to be made well? Does this offend you? What is written in the law? How do you read it? Do you love me? I also admire Jesus' ability to listen. I think of Jesus sitting down with the woman at the well. I think of Jesus' nighttime conversation with Nicodemus, talking some theology. I admire Jesus' ability to see. I think throughout the Gospels, we see time and again of how Jesus really saw people, all of them, like the messy and the beautiful, the messy beautiful, <laughs> especially in the poor and the vulnerable. He would see and he would stop and he would respond. And I admire Jesus' ability to respond, to know what was his to do and to know what wasn't his to do you know, like, he knew. He knew. And then he did it. He knew to lean in when others drew back, to speak clearly and with authority, to heal, to pray, to keep on keeping on when the risk was really high and the threats were real, when the going was unsafe, when no one understood him. Boy, those disciples were confused a lot of the time. <laughs> Am I right? Yes. Amen to that. Yeah. <laughs> but he knew what was his to do, and he was going to keep on doing it, and he was going to keep on bringing them all with him. And that's some good news, I think, for us today. We don't understand always, but Jesus is like always bringing us along with him. When he himself had no place to lay his head, he was still doing what he knew was his to do. When people's expectations did not match his purpose, he like stayed, he stayed. I admire, I really admire Jesus' ability to respond. I really, I really want to be more like Jesus in his ability to respond. We need more of that around here, don't we? More mature human persons able to ask honest questions, to listen thoughtfully, to see with clarity and compassion, and to respond assertively and lovingly to God and to one another. I just think, yes, please. Mm -hmm.
I want. I choose that. And so we just say, Jesus, teach us your ways. Let's aim to be this kind of people every way. For the glory of God and for the good of our neighbor and the world and those to come. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, please teach us your ways. Thank you that you, God, that you see us, that you listen to us, that you ask us questions, that you respond to us. Lord, we choose to follow you, Lord. And we want to we want to be like you. God, teach us to ask, teach us to see, teach us to listen, teach us to respond. Come, Holy Spirit, we pray. Empower and equip your church for this good work, for this beautiful work. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.